You're listening to the Going Offsides podcast. Your home for lacrosse news, stories, and everything in between. Today we have Jack Jasinski on the on the uh, podcast, and welcome Jack to the show. Appreciate you guys. Nice to be here. So I reached out to Jack a long time ago, and, and it was just kind of a it was a timing thing, right? You were always available, actually, but we were we kept pushing this and pushing this, and I think that the timing is right. I mean, I, I didn't realize that U of M OSU was yesterday, but you know, I'm a I'm a U of M fan and a grad. Ryan, for some weird reason, is a Long Islander who's a Penn State fan. And then Jack, obviously you played at Ohio state. So the first question I have for you is like, obviously it's a big game because it's a school rivalry, but do you think it's as big for lacrosse as it is for like football or basketball? Yeah. I mean, I definitely think, uh, first off, thanks for having me on, but, uh, <laughs> second off, um, I think every team treats it the exact same way that football does. Um, I think it's it's kind of in the culture there. So I, I think you go throughout the athletic department and you, you'll hear, you know, I, I mean, I was in the airport the other day. I was, we were talking before this. I was coming back from from Birmingham for a quick weekend. And uh, the, I was actually on the flight with uh, the softball team. They were coming back from uh, somewhere and they were talking, I overheard them. They were talking about how, you know, lacrosse uh, won yesterday. They beat Michigan. They were going through you know, kind of the list, like the record. Um, that's kind of just a shorthand story there, but it, it's definitely a big game throughout the athletic department. And um, they definitely put an emphasis on, uh, you know, having a winning record or, or winning year in and year out against the, that team up North. And um, man, yeah, it's, it, it's, it's taken very seriously. <laughs> and so you, uh, you grew up in Alabama, but you're, you said right before the podcast that your parents are from the Toledo area. Did you grow up an Ohio State fan then? Is that kind of your connection or is I it just really random? Yeah, no, it was actually really random. Um, I did not grow up an Ohio State fan. Uh, my, my dad went to Toledo. He played golf there. So he actually really didn't like the Ohio State guys at all. He's so, a rocket. Uh, yeah, he's a rocket guy. So go Rockets. But uh, go. no, not an not Ohio State fan growing up, but uh, definitely an Ohio State fan now. Okay. And then let's, let's talk about your recruitment a little bit. Cause that's gotta be uh, a bit interesting, right? So you're from Alabama, not exactly a hotbed by, by any means, but the game's growing. How do you make sure playing in Alabama that you get seen and end up at the division one level? So definitely a different process. I think the most, um, I started playing really late compared to, you know, back when I was getting recruited, people were getting recruited, you know, 14, 15, like, I mean, Kids I remember, I really, I really, yeah, yeah, it was crazy. So um, I really wanted to go to UNC, um, not just for lacrosse, but just in general, I, I was a sports exercise. Like I just, they had a good program there. So that was one of the schools I really wanted to go to. And uh, I went to one of their team camps, I think, and um, ended up being an Ohio State coach there. A couple other coaches, you know, they have the, those recruiting camps and um, ended up getting a couple of looks from some other schools as well. But uh my dad was real big going and, you know, seeing if you get an offer from somewhere or an invite from somewhere, you know, you got to at least go see it. So um, ended up going up to Ohio. Um, my cousin lives here in town. So he kind of gave us the ropes, you know, outside of campus and then, you know, got the red carpet coming here in campus and uh, the rest is kind of history. I, I kind of flipped from UNC to Ohio state in a day and um, really good decision, I think, to, to end up coming here. So, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> 
Uh, what was it like? I mean, that process with, with coach Myers, I mean, is he isn't as intense in the recruiting process as he comes off, like on the field. I mean, you know, obviously he's a Springfield guy. He's part of that Springfield mafia. Oh, yeah. Like he's, you know, he, you know, he coaches with a chip on his shoulder and it seems like he comes to work every day with a chip. on. Oh his shoulder. yeah. Is that, uh, is that, you know, does, is that going on throughout the recruiting process? Talk a little bit about that because, you know, I, I truly am like, you know, I think a lot of people are fascinated by, by, you know, his approach to just kind of the whole process. Yeah. I mean, I think he's really straightforward. I mean, um, I remember clear as day. I mean, we were at a recruiting camp and, um, that recruiting camp I went to and he, brought me up in the office and basically said hey listen we want you here we have some money for you um you know I know you're a little late in the process but uh we'd really like to have you there so uh I, I think he's pretty straightforward he's honest with you um he'll, he'll tell you um what you need to work on all sorts of things I mean but I think more than anything he's, he's really just honest with with what you're getting into and, and he's straight up with everybody else on the team that Ohio State's not for everybody um it's it's for men it's for know becoming a man and uh i think that's the the number one thing he does he teaches you how to be a man you know take care of your take care of your stuff and um you know learn how to be honest with one another so i think that more than anything i think that's what he preaches and definitely that way in the recruiting process the process way i describe it so playing for coach myers uh, what is like one of those moments or what what's what's like a crazy thing that you remember either coach Myers doing saying maybe to the team, maybe to you specifically, but there's gotta be one thing that that's kind of sticks out to you. That's, that's kind of memorable, you know, maybe it was something after a practice or like after a loss. Uh, I don't know if he said anything. Um, I, I, I can remember one instance where, um, you know, we had a bad year. I, it was my freshman year and uh, we ended up, getting kicked out of the locker room, um, for a little bit. So that was a pretty memorable experience. And, uh, you know, we had to, to earn the locker room back, which, you know, based on how we were playing, we, we definitely deserved it. And, um, you know, there's other teams that have done that. I know Duke, uh, in basketball, they've been kicked out of their locker room by the coach and said, we don't deserve this right now. So, um, I think, you know, again, his, his, you know, actions speak louder than words with him. You know, he's going to be honest with you. If, if you deserve it. You, you probably usually deserve what he's telling you, um, or, or, or anything. So I think that's probably one instance that, uh, I needed a kick, a kick in the ass and, uh, definitely responded to that. And we ended up getting back in the locker room. So, you know, no harm, no foul, but, um, you know, he's, he's going to be honest with you, just like I said. So that's probably the craziest thing I think he's ever said or ever done. I think probably the culture that he's built, would would uh the, the guys that he brings on campus like that kind of like take away the locker room at a lot of places that wouldn't work because it would turn kids off so quickly yeah but like the culture and the guys that he brings in ohio state that kind of fits perfectly like they they see that as a challenge not as a, like a a punishment so much yeah and i i think he recruits guys like that i mean i definitely had a chip on my shoulder coming in and um you know that's just that's almost like a mirror image of him like he's he he wants to challenge you if you know you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing you know he's gonna he's gonna give you another chance but he's gonna challenge you at the same time and uh you know I think that keeps that chip on the shoulder and you know it's what makes like like you said the culture at Ohio State I mean it's about doing your job you know make keeping it simple right and uh you know doing the right things over and over and over again and I think you know him kicking us out 
we had to do the right things. You know, we had to prove that, you know, we had to get back in that locker room. We could do the right things like over and over again. And I don't know, it, it, at the end of the day, you're right. It's, it's just the people that he brings in. It makes sense. Yeah. I even yeah. like watching all the, the, the pros now that are tweeting and stuff like that. Like you can just tell like the Ohio state guys are a little bit different than everybody else in a way. I don't know how to describe it, but like when Logan or one of those guys starts tweeting, it's like, you can just kind of tell, like, it's just a blue collar guy that that's behind the keyboard there. So it's All definitely day. a product of, of Ohio state for sure. All right, moving on to, um, you know, I would say, and, and I don't know if your SID department lies at all, but it's, it says you were about five, seven. Is that, is that accurate? <laughs> yeah, that's accurate. Unfortunately. So, okay. No, no, not a problem. <laughs> so you, you had, you had tremendous success at five, seven. So I, I think, you know, I was listening to a podcast this morning with, with Quint and Terry Foy talking about how a lot of these D three guys that, and D two guys that are doing well this year, a lot of them were undersized and maybe that's why they went to a lower level, but, I want to hear from a guy like you that had success at the D one level that is undersized. What, what tips could you give to uh, a smaller attackman midfielder, any position doesn't matter to take advantage of that size. Cause I, I do see situations where you can certainly take advantage of all the guys that are like six, three, six, four out there. Yeah. I mean, I think first thing is your sticks got to be tight. So, um, if you, if you don't have a, a good stick and you're undersized, I mean, you're, you're putting yourself at a disadvantage right away. So um, I didn't have the best stick coming in uh, compared to what it could have been. So I, I definitely put a lot of hours into that. I'm just getting better and better each year. Um, I think that the second thing would be, you know, kind of pick your spots on the field, um, you know, especially with like the dive coming back into lacrosse and different things like that. Just like you talked about, you get underneath these tall guys and, um, you know, you, you're, you're wide open to get underneath. But uh, the best advice I would say um, is, you know, then I took this personally in my games, you got to be in better shape than everybody because you're not going to, you're not going to be taller. You're not going to be stronger. Right. But you can definitely outrun guys. You can outlast guys. You can be quicker than guys. Right. So, um, you know, you got to be in really, really, really good shape if you're an undersized guy, because, um, you know, as the game goes on and that those big tall defenders, they don't want to sit in that low stance. Uh, as long as they did in the beginning of the game. So um, especially when you're, you're way shorter than them, I'd, I'd say that's a, a major advantage if you're in really good shape going into the game compared to your opponent. Okay. And then, you know, obviously the MLL, the PLL situation, what was your gut reaction when, when you got the news that, I mean, I'm sure you may have heard rumblings beforehand, but like when it was official, what was kind of your gut reaction? Yeah, I mean, initially I was kind of pumped. I mean, because, I don't know, just seeing guys in the other league have success that, you know, I played with in my first year and just seeing how much they enjoyed it, I was kind of pumped. And then all of a sudden it kind of hit me that, wow, it just got really, really competitive uh, really, really quickly. So kind of went from excitement to kind of a little pit in my stomach and then um, kind of just realizing, you know, all right, you got to, put your head back down. It's kind of like being a rookie. I mean, not that I was that far out of being a rookie. It's you're going back into that same situation. You kind of got to put your head down, try and make a team and um, just take advantage of your opportunities. So um, I, I think overall it's, it's going to be great for the game. I mean, especially now having one league, everybody's going the same direction. We're not rowing the boat in opposite directions. I think uh, overall it's, it's a really positive thing. 
Yeah, yeah. We, we've talked about it in great detail that, you know, in the short term, it kind of sucks because we enjoyed watching lacrosse like every day of the week, pretty oh, yeah. much like the two bubbles back to back was awesome to watch and to cover. But in the long term, we all understand that it's better for the sport to have all the finances pushing one league, have all the resources combined and all the knowledge from, you know, the, the past combined. So I, obviously it's great for the sport moving forward, but um, so, so now you're, like you said, you have to kind of reprove yourself because, you know, there are all these guys that are already over there and it seems like a lot of guys are coming out of the woodwork all of a sudden that had played lacrosse a couple <laughs> of years ago or a yeah. while ago. I even more saw than, one of the, more Brat- than a couple, more than a couple. <laughs> yeah, I saw one of the Bratton brothers was on the list today. Like that yeah, one yeah. caught me off guard. I was like, well, good luck. I mean, he is he, somebody pointed out he's been out of the game just as long as Hogan. So, I mean, why not? I guess, but it looks like you have something to say about about all this, Jack. So you know, I, I, I'm not I'm not one to I don't want to say anything out of line because it's you know if they can play they can play and you know I, I I'm not I'm not one you know anybody can't play I mean I'm talking to guys from Alabama so that's I mean people probably look at me and say the same thing like why is he on the list why is he there so um you know. You got to remember, I mean, I think Hogan played three years at Penn State before, I mean, he went to go play football. So it's not like he's any schmuck walking in there playing lacrosse. He was, like, and he was, a, he was a nice player at Penn State. I mean, yeah, it, so, it's just, I mean, you know, it is, it is just a long time ago. But to see, like, you know, I think he might be a completely different animal from, you know, kind of what he's been doing the last few years as compared to some of those other guys that, you know, the last time they might have played was, you know, close to 10 years ago. I, I for sure think that too. I mean, clearly he's been taking care of his body and, you know, training and, and doing all of that. So, um, you know, if he makes it, you know, good for him. I mean, that means he deserves it. And, you know, there's a, there's a ton of competition, so I'm sure they'll get it right in terms of, you know, who can play, who can't play different things like that. So again, like, I think the, the best thing about having two leagues was that you got to see how deep, uh, pro lacrosse is right now, which I don't know the last time it's been this deep how many guys really can compete at the next level. So um, I, I think it's a good thing again, like they're joining the leagues, but again, it's, it's just breeding competition. That's all yeah. they're doing. And uh, I think, you know, the guys that can stay consistent in their craft and, you know, keep working and keep their head down and be paid. I think they're going to win in the long run. Okay. And so what has, you know, it's, it is a weird situation with them not only taking in like the entire MLL, but also having an expansion draft, a college draft, an entry draft, tons of drafts. What has been the communication to a guy like you, who's in the player, like he's, you're in the draft pool. So what's like that kind of been like, it's gotta be unique, right? It's gotta be like, unlike anything you've ever experienced. Yeah. I mean, well, first off, they they kind of sent out an email to like all the MLL players, like kind of asking for some information, like you know this, that, and other. And then they kind of went through like the contract process, right? So I think uh, I want to say it was either early February, maybe I think is when they sent out all the contracts to guys and and different things like that. So um, basically, it was just a standard you know contract, and you, once you signed, you got put on an email list for, you know, town hall meetings, different things like that. Um, so there's been, I think once a month, there's been like a, a league meeting where uh, kind of meet, they kind of give you the update about what's going on. You know, you can ask questions, this, that, 
Um, so this will be our, I think we have one coming up actually later this week. So it'll be our second one, but for the most part, I mean, it's been, it's been pretty clean. So, uh, you know, if you got a question, you know, uh, Brian Silcott over there in field does a great job. So, um, he's on it. He, he he's covering all the bases and, uh, definitely have felt like they've been on top of it going into, you know, the draft, different things like that. Okay. Have, have you felt any kind of like, and, and this isn't by no means to disrespect the MLL in any way, but have you felt a difference in the way things are run like logistically or from an organizational standpoint or attention to detail or anything like that? I think it's different because, uh, PLL obviously is like one organization, right? So you go MLL, like you could have had a bad experience in one organization or a good experience in another. And I was fortunate enough, you know, I was, pro I, I think I was in the best organization oh, in, yeah. in the MLL yeah. with the outlaws. So um, every time I, I went to the outlaws, I mean, I felt like I was a true, like a true pro. I mean, like they had their own locker room at mile high, like they're taking care of everything. They're on top of communication, um, you know, everything. So I, I think, I, you're going to have to ask some, some other guys, you know, if there's, if there's a better or worse, but I definitely think, you know, even with the bubble, like the MLL handled the bubble really well. They kind of stuck to their guns, you know, they had that little mix up there at the end with uh, a negative test, but I mean, they stuck to their guns. I mean, they, they did exactly what they said they're going to do. Um, they pulled a team out, pulled two teams out and gave other teams the option, you know, if they wanted to play or not. So um, got to, got to give them credit on that end. I mean, they're, they're pretty clean with it. So uh yeah, I, I think it's, I think it's all, it's all there. Awesome. And obviously we wish you the best of luck in that, in that, or that, uh, the entry draft that's coming up, I think like on the 24th or something like that. So yeah. it'll be interesting. I have to reach out to you and see how things go there. Um, that being said, have you, I mean, and obviously don't give any detail details that are too specific, but like, have you had conversations with, with coach X, Y, or Z already? Like have coaches reached out to you a little bit just to gauge like your interest and, and stuff like that, or. I have not had any uh, conversations with any coaches really. Um, I think kind of for a lot of it's, a, it's a waiting game. I think they're kind of just waiting for the entry draft and, you know, obviously the expansion draft. I mean, they didn't know who was going to go, who wasn't going to go. So um, that's kind of where I'm at. I, I'm definitely waiting until the 24th, right. Kind of see how things shake out. And then, um, you know, kind of go from there. So if I'm lucky enough to get picked up, then I get picked up. If, if not, then, you know, I got to go do my due diligence and get in front of some coaches and just, and try and get on a roster. Perfect. You kind of answered my next question. <laughs> which was going to be a bit awkward if I asked it since you already answered it. It's great. <laughs> sure, no, you're good. If, if you don't get drafted, then I, I, like you said, your intention then is to, to kind of grind it out and, and head to the player pool. And cause I, I personally think that there's going to be a more player pool movement this year than ever, because guys are going to get drafted and guys are going to fall and certain, you know, still guys are probably still going to end up retiring and getting hurt. And I think, people were trying to do the math on like how many MLL guys could make a roster. I mean, with the entry draft only being so big. And I pointed out that the player pool, I think is going to be full of MLL guys that didn't get yeah. drafted that are still going to make a team yeah. because you can only draft X number of MLL guys in that first draft. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I think like, what is it? 30, I think it's 30 players uh, per roster for training camp, something I like that. Yeah. And then down to something, something like that. So what is that? Two, it's 240 guys. Right. So I think there's going to be a big chunk of guys you don't see 
go through the draft, right? Um, I think the guys won't go through the draft, right? And, you know, that was kind of the crappy part we were talking about is a lot of guys that, you know, grinded it out for the last year in the MLL aren't going to kind of get that uh, equal, uh, not equal, like first opportunity to get on a team, right, with the, with the draft. So, um, but yeah, definitely going to grind it out, you know, uh, it's only my really like second year kind of playing pro lacrosse, um, especially with the bubble. Like we only played six games. So, um, you know, I, I think the one thing for a lot of guys that are in MLL is they're young and, and, you know, I'm definitely on that end of the, of the spectrum. So if we stick with it. Like you say, like it's going to suck for a year, but you know, if you stick with it and uh, try and, you know, keep up with yourself, keep up with the game, you know, grind it out in the player pool, uh, keep playing in some shape or form. And I think a lot of guys really could end up, side of that you know if that's what they want to do i for sure want to do that cool yeah it's it's part of like what we do is we just try to get people's insights because a lot of the stuff just you know who has the ability to just ask a random mll pll guy like yeah. hey what what's the draft like from your point of view yeah and, and that's just kind of what we want to know the, these are questions that we genuinely just don't know the answers to until we ask one of you all and I know other people are interested to find, find this stuff out. So let, let's go back to last year a little bit. The, with the outlaws, like you said, you pretty much had the best ownership group in terms of how it's organized and treated players and, and how it was run from top to bottom. Who were some of the more interesting guys? Cause I know at least one of them that you played with, but what, what are some of the more interesting guys uh, from that, from that outlaws roster? Uh, well, I'm assuming you're talking about junior, but, uh, I was actually yeah. talking about Schlosser a little bit. Oh, really? Okay. All right. Just I, yeah. Yeah. Junior's a good guy. Schlosser is also a really good guy. Uh, so man, he's, he's a hoot. He, uh, he, he, way up, he keeps everybody light. I mean, he's, he's just like one of the best guys you could have in the locker room. I think, um, another guy, uh, Dan Bucaro. So mm-hmm. you get, yeah he's he's a little shy i think sometimes once you open him up but he, he's a funny dude i mean i don't think he's got a mean bone in his body though off the field i think he's 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 pretty much one of the the nicest humans i've ever met um but yeah mikey for sure i mean he's 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 an interesting cat he uh <laughs> definitely he definitely toots his own goes through like his, his his own way but uh man it works for him and he's, he's awesome dude so <laughs> And yeah. You can see that. You can see that through the t- TV. You can see that through the internet. That guy. Oh, his social did, media, man. Yeah, he he's just so like, he's, it's drum. just him. Like that's, that's, the that's stories him. I hear about him in his van and the, <laughs> the, the videos and the Instagram, like it's always about the van or a dirt bike. He's always wrenching on something. He's got this dune buggy he's been working on lately. <laughs> so he's been ripping it up. He sends videos of him doing donuts. Just yeah, it up. He, I like, think I saw a video of Eli, like Eli went to visit him and they were just messing around in the backyard, ripping like dirt bike donuts. Like a moped, like a moped yeah. that they put like a skateboard on for foot pegs or I don't know. It was awesome though. It looked like fun. I wish I was there. That's fantastic. <laughs> so, um, so Junior, obviously iconic and yeah. twice the age of, of a lot of the guys that are playing what was it like are, are you ever in a situation like that like that's like us when we interviewed millen like i'd be so awkward around a guy like that just it, i know he probably is welcoming and is like you know but it takes a little bit to like feel like you uh aren't like playing in front yeah. of like this like superhero 
I think I don't know. Like I, I was kind of like what you were saying. Like I, like when I first went there, I was like, "Stronger." That's June. That's June. What's up? Like that's pretty cool. And then I didn't know like really what he was gonna be like. I'd never met him or anything before, so I didn't know what he's gonna be like. And then just like you say, like he's just this really good dude, just welcoming. Definitely like a, a leader in the locker room, and you can just tell he's he's just been there before. And um, yeah, I, I got nothing but good things to say about Junior. He's he, he's the man. He he welcomed me, and I especially when I got picked up like halfway through the season in my first year, like um, he made me feel welcome coming into the locker room, and uh, it was it was really cool to play with somebody like that who, who's such a legend. He, uh, he just, I don't, I'm not sure if you're a big hockey fan or not, but like the stories people say and like how everybody talks about him, he's like, he's like lacrosse's version of like Joe Thornton. Yeah. hundred like, percent. He's, yes. he's jumbo, you know? Yeah. He's just, he's just like, there. he's, he's like, uh, just everlasting. Like just, I don't, I don't know what else, like he just timeless, I guess you could say like, you just, you would think that he'd, he'd been playing since he's two cause he has, and you'd think he'd done everything in lacrosse because he has and you'd think he's a really good guy because because he is so I mean it's just like Jumbo because he's that guy I mean how long has he been playing like 20 years now yeah so I think something he, like that I think he went first overall in 98 I don't know yeah. who's older out of those two yeah it might so actually I, be, it might actually be junior I mean I and you can tell I mean like I watch a little bit of hockey but even like the Maple Leafs you can tell like he's had a a little bit of an impact on them this yeah. year in terms of like how they go about it, you know, enjoying it, different things like that. Like you can tell, like they're they're, they're in a better place than they were last year, probably because of Jumbo. No one will say, that, but yeah. Did Did Junior get the Hopkins job while you guys were playing last year, or before, after? I think it was. It may have been right before. I'm not entirely sure. Um, I know that I think uh director of ops john i think he got it while we were in the bubble i think so he, i think junior already had the job and then john right either right when we got there or something got the job as director of ops i think for for the blue jays so okay i was just curious because uh were you surprised at all like the way that he understands offenses and you know obviously he had some chops from working at air force but were you shocked at all that he got a job kind of like that big and iconic and that young in his coaching career? Because I'd heard a lot of stories because I actually talked to, we talked to Miles Silva like mm -hmm. six months ago at this point. Oh, and and okay. he was talking about, you know, it was probably the week after the tournament. And he was talking about how like Grant's literally coaching like while on the field. Oh yeah. He, he like, I mean, we even talked about it. He said he's like woken up before in the middle of the night like just because he had like a thought or something like pop into his head like about offense play like writes it down um but definitely like he he's like the definition of like a and he was a player coach like he just sees things so fast like he's really good at like kind of explaining exactly what he wants, what he wants to do and like on top of it I think he keeps it pretty simple in terms of like um you know if you're a good player you're gonna you need to make like a good play but you don't need to have someone uh directing your every move so I, I think he puts you in really good situations and then from there it's kind of just like he knows how to like guide offense and you know say we need to do more of this less of this and um he's definitely really really creative with you know getting looks that he wants uh certain guys to get you know for example like our whole offense basically was around ryan lee this past summer 
right? So, I mean, finding ways to get him the ball inside, right? Because he's so dynamic with the ball inside. He's so fast, right? Getting to the middle. I, I think, you know, we found a, a ton of ways to do that. And, um, you know, Junior was a big part of that standing behind X, you know, drilling it inside or whether it was uh, as uh, doing the same thing. I mean, um, and then you throw a guy like uh, Danny up top and he's just blown by guys. So it's a, it's like an inside out game. You know, if you, if you don't go to us on the outside, you know, we're, we'll score. If you want to cover up the inside, I mean, same thing. So there's, there's a bunch of ways that, you know, he was really creative in, in getting our offense going last year. Okay. And I'm sure you guys, you know, scrimmage or, you know, I mean, the roster's a little bit smaller, so you, it's not like you can play a full game with just the outlaws. But when you were doing one-on-ones at some point, who was who the guy defensively that you hated going up against the most? Because you got some, you know, you got some legit guys, you know, Newbold Plus, Rex Road. You got, um, you got Charlie Hayes, who, uh, you know, I know is, a, is an absolute short stick. Oh, for so sure. Un- so underrated. He's, he's, he's got to be one of the best demons in the game right now. Um, he's, he's an animal, but, uh, I'd say probably, I'd say Rex is, is, is pretty tough guard. Um, he, he can move, he can play heavy. He can, you know, play with a stick. I mean, there's a lot, I mean, I played against him for a year when he was at Rutgers. Right. Um, so he's, he's a really good player. I mean, but all those guys, I mean, they're all good rigs. Um, he's a, Ooh, he can hit some people. So, um, wouldn't want to be on the other end of that, but, uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say probably Rex. He's, he's probably the toughest guard out of all of them, but all of them, you know, Plesser, Riggs, um, all of them, they're all, they're all really, really good defenders. And, you know, I, I wouldn't want to go out against any of them. Yeah. It makes sense why Rex had Lyle. So yeah, I mean, <laughs> he did, and he did a pretty good damn job, yeah. a pretty damn good job. So awesome. Ryan, you got anything? You know, I mean, in terms of all that stuff, I mean, I'm, I'm sure there's just a lot of people out there wondering. I mean, we're now, you know, we've been bouncing back and forth between college and pro. I mean, you know, you had the opportunity to play, you know, Ohio State, Michigan, you're playing Penn State, you're playing in the Big Ten. What was it like? You know, obviously the Big Ten comes to fruition. You're playing lacrosse in a power five, you know, conference. What was that experience like? You know, I mean, I'm, I'm sure, you know, everybody, you probably get that question a lot, but I mean, in terms of everything, I mean, you know, to have the opportunity to, you know, kind of play in that conference, you know, I, you know, cause for so many years, Ohio state, you know, was an affiliate member of this conference while the rest of the athletic department was, you know, in the big 10 and doing that sort of thing. I mean, talk to talk, can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. I mean, I think I was, again, like I was really lucky. I kind of like walked into that situation, yeah. you know, I think it was like either the first or second year was like my freshman year in the big 10. Um, I think the number one thing you'll see that it did was like all the facilities, like it just started becoming like a competition for everybody. Like as soon as somebody added something, it was like, Oh, now we got to add something. I feel like that's what that, at least that's what I saw. And, um, I think that's the the glaring thing. I think that everybody sees from the big 10 is like, you get all the gear, you got all the facilities, you got a big school, you got, you know, uh, primetime games, like all that. And, um, I think just the growth of that over a couple of years, right. Has, has really kind of attracted a lot of more players to want to come to the big 10, you know, versus maybe an ACC school. Cause you got, you know, big time sports on the other side of the athletic department, whether it's fo- football or basketball or hockey or, or any of those. Um, but overall, I mean, like it, I think it's just as good of a, a, a conference as the ACC, any other conferences out there. I mean, go look at, you know, the team's records right now. I'm not, I mean, 
Ohio State lost to Penn State, what, two weeks ago by two, right? Mm-hmm. And then they come back and Hopkins, who Ohio State beat in week one by six, then beats them. Like, I think it's, it's, it's a juggernaut of a, of, a, of a conference, and you're definitely playing against the best every weekend. And um, I think a lot of people should really, you know, take notice because I, th- I think they're really right there with the ACC in terms of, you know, playing against the best every weekend. They got the facilities. They got the school. Um, it, it, it was awesome and is definitely prime time for sure. No doubt. No doubt. No doubt. Ha- having been a part of it, like there was also, I mean, no, you guys are building your facility right now, I think. Yeah. But the, the facility arms race for lacrosse has definitely ticked up where it's probably ACC, Big Ten, and then everybody else. I know that there's some really good facilities out there, but playing in the shoe, occasionally, I don't know if you ever got to play in the big house because the facility was kind of being built probably like your freshman year or something like that at Michigan, but those are iconic. One time sophomore year, we played that spring game against you guys. It is iconic to like, even though it's half or it's mostly empty. It's just yeah. this really weird like place. And it's, it's hard not to get a little bit nostalgic thinking about it or overwhelmed. Cause like everywhere you look, like it's just walls of seats. Yeah. You get and chills. Press boxes. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Cause I, I was fortunate to go to Ohio state, I think twice once for Michigan and once for uh, when I worked at Detroit mercy and cause Detroit loves to play you guys and, and, were you there the year that it was very close or that they, they pulled off the, the upset? Who, Detroit? Yeah. I was not there. That was the year okay. before me. That was, oh. at, that was, that was, yeah. I don't yeah. Know, I'm glad I wasn't there for that one. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't want to be. Uh, that would have probably been one of Coach Meyer's uh, fantastic. Would have been fantastic would, to film him after I, that I think, game. I think a lot of coaches in the Big Ten would have been upset with that one. Yeah, so. absolutely. Well, Jack, I really appreciate your time, man. Um, I mean, I appreciate you guys having me on. This yeah, is awesome. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, man. Well, I'll take it easy, man. Awesome. Hey, good luck. I'm sorry about your dog, by <laughs> the way. I'm like, oh, not to bring up sore subject. No, no, it's all right. I, I hope, go. hope, it, hope it's all good, man. Gotta go pull the band-aid, so mm-hmm. appreciate See it. See you, buddy. See you awesome. See you guys. Appreciate you. If you enjoyed the show, be sure to subscribe, give us a review, and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Going Offsides. Sides.